interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is The Carrie Edelman Show. Welcome to The Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited today as we have the award-winning comedian and cartoonist, Teresa Roberts Logan, coming on momentarily. So before I bring her on, I always like to do a brief introduction to the show. Um, she's going to be one of the many amazing artists and individuals that I've had involved in the entertainment industry coming on my show. And it's been such a pleasure to really delve into these people's lives, do a real deep dive and um, in-depth interview with them, where you're going to really learn some stuff about them that you probably have not heard or read elsewhere. Some of the guests that she's going to um, join today have been people on my show, including comedian and head writer for Seinfeld, Peter Melman, co-creator of The Daily Show and former David Letterman TV producer, Madeline Smithberg, New York Times bestselling author, Jennifer Keshen Armstrong, award-winning cartoonist and illustrator for The New Yorker, Bob Eckstein, and world-renowned mastering engineer, Mayar Applebaum, to name a few. So before I bring her on, I'd also like to just put out there, um, my show is an entertainment show, but I do have a background in clinical psychology, um, but the show is not going to be doing any type of therapy or analysis. Sometimes we will explore, you know, things in a very general format and educational format if it's suitable for what we're talking about. Um, but I just like to put that out there that it is an entertainment show. So if you're joining, you can uh, join Blog Talk Radio if you'd like to uh, tune in, or you can just listen through the actual uh, forum itself. While we're waiting for her to call in, I'm going to do a brief introduction for her. So Teresa Roberts Logan, she's an award-winning standing comic, comic and cartoonist who has appeared on HBO, A&E, and the Comedy Channel. She has worked at some of the best comedy clubs in the country, including Comedy Works, Catch a Rising Star, Flappers Burbank, and even the Comedy Cellar in Dublin, Ireland. Um, she's opened for Greats like Jerry Seinfeld, Ellen DeGeneres, and Paula Poundstone, to name a few. As a cartoonist, so it's interesting, she's not just a stand-up comic, she's also a phenomenal illustrator and cartoonist. Her cartoons and comics appear regularly in Go Comics and Tapas, along with her making numerous appearances at lots of arts festivals, comic festivals, such as New York Comic Con. She's published numerous books that are available on Amazon, and one of them, which I want to talk to her about today, is called The Older I Get, The Less I Care. She also has phenomenal posh adult coloring books, so if people are interested in mandalas and things like that, she's got some really cool coloring books out there. So for more information on Teresa, you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter, as well as TikTok, at Laughing Redhead. All right, so Teresa has called in. Let's bring her on. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for joining today. I am so excited. I know it's taking us a while, but we are finally here. And I want to use, it's now our inside joke, I will say at long last, Teresa is finally at coming on the show. At long last. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank you for your patience. Do you know how sometimes oh, absolutely. you go seasons where it's like, how are things a little thinning 
away, you know, and I just need to keep gathering them back and keep it. And I feel like I'm through that period, and that's where we were communicating, and I just am so happy to be talking to you live. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I like to say, I said said to myself last night when I'm looking over all my notes and stuff, and I've done a ton of research on you, I'm like, you know what? The best things come to those who wait. And it's funny. I I don't want to delve into this now. I want to do it a little bit later because I like to start out with a certain kind of format, and then we'll kind of just free associate and probably go all over the place. But, you know, I was trying to bring you on last October because I had an idea. I wanted to do like a theme with like horror and Halloween because I saw that you were really interested in it. And that's how I first kind of got introduced to you. (laughs) Oh, I'm very, well, we can make this horror themed. I love horror and Halloween year round. That's like my my studio I work in. I've got Halloween decor and skeletons. It just is Halloween year round for me. Yeah. I saw you recently had purchased a new skeleton pillow the other day, so I saw that in the background. (laughs) (laughs) I did. um, I was in in a discount store, and they have already started putting their Halloween out, which gives me joy. And I have this chair in my studio where my husband will come and sit and we talk and stuff, and I'm like, this is an actual functional thing. I think I... I think I have to have this. And now I've realized I've been trying to do TikToks every day, and I've realized it's become like a security blanket, and I nice. hold on to it when I do my TikToks because that's so out of my comfort zone, you know, to do the TikTok <laughs> thing every day. So, well, to, I don't know much. That's one thing I'm not on. Maybe we can you could briefly kind of uh, give me a tutorial on that. But, well, what's interesting, I mean, what's the difference? I guess there's a difference in TikTok and doing stand-up because with stand-up, Right. I mean, you're you're out in front of people. You're you got an audience. This is actually a little more anonymous because you don't have to really I guess people are still evaluating you. But right. They're not like right in front of you. Well, it is interesting because the live the live performance is an in the moment thing. And and it's so relatable to who's in the audience and the audience matters so much. True. Sometimes I think the live audience doesn't realize how much, how very much they matter to us and right. the interplay and the response. And um, sometimes you can tell when an audience doesn't go to live shows much, you know, because they sort of treat you like a screen. And mm-hmm. then when you break that wall and talk to people in the audience, sometimes that helps, you know, where you'll go, hey, by the way, you know, you can't just change channels or turn me up or turn me down. And they sort of wake up a little, like you realize, you know, if you, that's what you've got to come in and get them immediately. Fortunately, that doesn't happen too much. People uh, respond to your jokes immediately. But you can sometimes tell people are quiet yeah. and they're kind of shy about laughing loudly. Like they think that's a behavior thing, like you shouldn't laugh loud. And I'm always like, go for it. Just let loose. Yeah. That's what we're here for. No, I totally and with TikTok, I get what you're so saying. Yeah, because I yeah. used to um, before the you know before the pandemic, I went to I used to go to a lot of comedy shows, and that's how I've met a few people I've interviewed. So I totally can relate to what you're saying with how the audience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so wonderful. I mean, I, I even hear comics sometimes reminding the audience, like what and hosts, you know, reminding the audience what a great great part of the show they are. And I, I don't think they always know that. Like sometimes. Uh, people will come in with with a mind to heckle, you know, but that doesn't happen that much. 
Mm-hmm. And also, I've got a pretty friendly stage presence. You know, I see some people Definitely. are very adversarial, you know, and that's their thing is going at the audience. Usually when I mess with the audience, it's fun. And it's mm-hmm. not making fun of people. It's just being silly, you know. And uh, and you also always can tell pretty soon if uh, somebody's up for it or not, you know. And if they're not, I leave those people alone. Because my thing is, you know, people need to laugh. They really, really need to laugh, especially now. And I don't want people to be stressed out by a comedy show. Like, come in and have fun. Like, let's right. laugh. Let's right. And that's one of the things I used to love time. is, right, after a long day at work, that's what I would like to do is just go out and do something, like you said, just laugh and enjoy humor and, right, not necessarily be picked on. or. <laughs> but I understand. Yes. Um, you just want to have fun. You just want to laugh. Laugh is such a good – laughing such a good release. And and uh, when doing TikTok videos, I think what I – I was all up in my head about it, right, because – uh, I'd like more people to know about my comedy and see my comedy, and I'm not sure if I'm doing this the right way because I also people love to watch you draw, you know. So I put drawing videos, and I mix it up. Oh. Mine isn't all stand up; it's drawing videos and uh, me talking to the camera. And I think I've just seen enough TikTok videos that people are so great at creating these videos. They're editing them to the max. They're putting lots of text on them. They're, they've got great makeup, great lighting. And I thought, I think right. I'm just going to lower the bar. <laughs> I'm just going right. to lower my standards and start making these things. Like, I tend to do them when I come back from walking and I'm looking ratty. And I just am like, okay, now I'm going to talk because I have energy after I'm walking. And so I have just started doing these. And they're, they're – uh, We'll see. We'll see because it's just so funny and weird to sit in your your studio and just like talk to the camera and hold the pillow. But that's that's my plan right now. Okay. I don't have a big. But, and I'm sure over time, with everything you've done in out. life, right, everything will evolve, right, and you'll kind of find yes, your yes. your niche and maybe where you can maybe put a little text out there, or, you know, fine tune some other stuff. So yeah, just like you said, just kind of do a grassroots kind of getting into the, the theme and the, the vibe of doing it. And then I'm sure you'll find your, your groove, so to speak. Yes. And it is funny because just if I talk long enough, I come up with somewhere people can laugh. And I don't always mean to, like I posted one a couple of days ago when a friend of mine said, that was hilarious. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't mean, what? You know, I was just kind of talking to the camera and talking about a show and talking about how uncomfortable I am being on camera. And she wrote me a note and said, that was hilarious. That was amazing. I'm like, well, I don't, okay. And then I thought, you know what? People aren't nearly, I mean, some people are, but people aren't nearly as judgmental Uh as I like to think they are. Like, I'm just, you know, I just think I just gave up on lighting and like, do my teeth look white enough? Can you see the red spots on my face? Do I have the dark circles under my eyes? Because I'm just like, you know what? That's what I look like. So y'all going to have to deal. Right. But anyway, but, we'll see. Eventually, maybe I'll start doing. No, I mean, I'm not saying I'm hideous. It's just. No, no, you know, no. I know. But these, I, I, I know I can relate to what you're saying like in terms of. And... <laughs> right. Right. 
I get you. No, I can. I'm sh- and I'm sure there's a lot of people that can empathize with with what you're saying. So let's let's yeah, do this, and yeah. we can. Of course, we can go down that rabbit hole a little later if you wanted to. But let's start out from the beginning because we want to learn about Teresa, and I want to know about you and your life and and how you got into these, you know, various careers that you're that you've been in for years now. So start out from the beginning and just you know as far back as you can remember you you were from memphis tennessee correct uh-huh yes and yeah just when you were a little kid like and this is where we'll start to kind of get into you know some some drawing and you know were you someone who liked to look at the sunday comics and you know what were you like as a little kid as far back as you can remember well i can remember way back, like my family is very funny. My whole family, my immediate family, my extended family. I'm about the least funny person in all of my family. And my dad had 10 brothers and sisters. My mom oh my has three brothers and sisters. And, and they all have kids and grandkids and everybody. I have, I don't even know how many cousins I have. Everybody's hilarious. Almost everybody's just so funny. So when I went into stand up, people were like, what? Teresa's going into stand-up, okay? You know, because I'm just not mm-hmm. the funniest person in the family by any means. And um, when I was little, I, you know, I had a happy childhood. I have uh, have really, really great parents. And uh, my father's passed away uh, just a few years ago. But my, my parents are oh, just fantastic. And my mm-hmm. mom is hilarious, still makes me laugh all the time. And just and- it's just the way of talking, you know, just the way people are. And I always loved drawing when I was little. And I do remember that point when I looked through, you know, and when you're a little kid, everybody draws. But I do remember that one time kind of looking around and going, why why isn't everybody drawing anymore, you know, because I think they'd been told enough that whatever they drew wasn't good. I think they had been discouraged. But I just kept, I was one of those people that got to keep drawing and I and what drew um, when I wrote poems when I was little, yeah. and and not to interrupt you, but just just to piggyback to you, just like what were do you remember as a little kid? Like what types of things were you drawing? Were you using like crayons, pencil, paint? Like what types of mediums? I or was cray- it- I remember crayons and pencils a lot, and I remember illustrating my writing, like writing little poems and you know, limericks. I loved writing limericks and drawing and I would do the little drawings to go with them. So whatever the limerick was about, I remember writing one about Pierre who shaved off all of his hair and, you know, I drew him and, (laughs) or I would draw animals. I love drawing animals. I always, and I draw my dog. I had a poodle way back when, and uh, boy, she was a mean little thing, but she was, she loved my dad. It was so funny. She loved my dad. But if anybody, she was sitting with my dad and anybody came near, she would growl. She was so funny, but I would draw her. And I just, I remember drawing dogs and cats and just everything and being encouraged in that. And then when I was a kid, I remember I took art lessons at, in Memphis at just this art academy they had that anybody could take classes at. And my family always encouraged my art and just everything. They were just real open and lovely and encouraging about uh, my interests and the stuff that uh, gave me joy. Mm-hmm. And we also, things I remember a lot, like they gave us adventures, you know, like my family liked camping out. We went camping a lot. We'd, go to, we'd drive to Arkansas, which has some beautiful lakes. 
Springs fed amazing lakes, and we would go camping, and uh, we loved road trips and being together. We loved water. Most of it was trying to get near water. You know, we drive to Florida mm-hmm. a lot. It wasn't too hard from Memphis. And uh, I, I just remember my family just encouraging me and just going along with it if I wanted to draw or if I wanted to be in plays when I got a little older when I got in high school I I did plays and things but my family was just super supportive of it that's great and while you're talking about your family what did your parents do if you don't mind me asking of course if there's something you don't feel comfortable sharing just let me know but you know what did your parents do for a living um and mention if you had any siblings and and what some of their interests are or what they do today yeah, my uh, my parents, my mom was uh, worked at a meatpacking company in the HR department. Like she was the guy, uh, person who handled all the insurance when the guys got injured, uh, you know, processing oh meat and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was seeing to visit her and the guys would come in with, you know, blood all over their aprons and stuff. Maybe that's where my love of horror comes in. Right. I don't know. But... <laughs> When I was a kid, I was exposed right. to that pretty early. And then my dad worked for Memphis Light, Gas, and Water. He was an electrical worker, and um, he did that for many years. And then I remember when he retired, he also drove buses. And he could fix anything. He could wire anything or wow. uh, just build everything. He could build everything, fix cars, wire it, plumb it. He moonlighted as a plumber too at one point and my mom my mama was just great and funny and creative and and my dad too just one of the funniest very dry very quiet quieter person my mom's noisier than my dad was and Mm -hmm. uh, but they're both just so funny and just uh just great and I have a I have a younger brother and he is trained in radiology and uh, bartending. Oh, wow. He does he oh. does both. He works with doctors, and then he does tens bar too. And he's really great at that. And he's one of those people. My brother is one of those just amazing people who, you know, everybody's his friend. He's just makes friends with everybody, and is just mm-hmm. one of the nicest, best people. He just is a great awesome. guy. So yeah. And I'm married. I've been married 35 years, and I have a, an adult son who is a sommelier and wine rep. He is in the wine oh, wow. business. So I'm always interesting pictures, like, which is because he knows my taste. He get, I go, what do you think I would like of this? And he, uh, but I've learned a lot. Yeah, it's amazing how much stuff you can know and there is to know about wine. You know, he's done those very intense tests where they have to memorize big notebooks and stuff. And then my husband's wow. in theater, and he trains actors, and he is a dialect coach. Yeah, I read that. That's TV. really it. And does he, is he a yes. professor, too, at Carnegie? Yeah, he's a professor. Wow. And and he, uh, he wrote a Shakespearean pronunciation dictionary called The Eloquent Shakespeare. And so he's a speech and scansion dynamics expert and then he so he trains people in that but he also like if you're doing a play or a film or tv show and he works with actors a lot doing this any dialect in the world oh, wow. you need he can train you in he's really amazing and yeah. how did you um, I've had a couple how'd of you meet him go 
I met him at church of all places in Kansas City when we both worked in Kansas City, and I was working for Hallmark Cards, and he was working at Missouri Rep Theater, and we met at church. We don't really go to church anymore, but uh, we met a lot of great people through going to church and stuff back in the day. (laughs) <laughs> so we have a lot of long time friends, right. a lot of long term friends. But it's funny. I was only in Kansas City like three years, but changed my life. And then after I got married, oh. moved to Denver. I lived in Denver for twenty years. So I lived in. I've lived in. Okay, I was born and raised in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Kansas City to work for Hallmark. Then I moved to Chicago for a bit after starting stand up, and I got engaged and got married and moved to Denver and lived there 20 years, then moved back east to Towano, Virginia, which is Williamsburg, Virginia area, to get near family. Mm-hmm. And then we moved for years, and now I'm in Pittsburgh. So I've lived in a, oh. all over the place. Wow, yeah, I didn't know you were in Pittsburgh. I thought for some reason you were still in, I guess, D.C. when I was, like I said, doing a lot of my research. But, okay, you're in Pittsburgh now. Yes, and, you know, I visit D.C. a lot. I really love D.C. so much, and I also house-sit for friends whenever I can. I've got three (laughs) friends that I regularly house-sit for, and it's just fun because then I just get to go reconnect with my friends, and then I don't ever feel too far away from D.C., you know, so that's nice. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing all that. I mean, it gives us definitely a richer sense of, again, your your history and your background. Um, so getting back to because so we're talking about, right, you're taking some art classes. Definitely art is something that you're drawn to. Did you feel like it was something that came pretty natural to you, or was this something that you did have to work at? Um, you know, both, because I think you know how it is when you're a little kid growing up and you're like, your parents love everything you do, you know, <laughs> or my parents did. I had that kind of parents where they were just super mm-hmm. encouraging. But uh you know, as you get older, you know, you see, oh, there's other people doing this too. And then like in high school, I remember my art teacher was very intense and she definitely had some superstar favorite students. And I was not one of those, you know, but I worked hard and I got good grades, but I felt like I really worked hard at it, even though I feel like I do have a natural talent. Um, I remember, and this is a little connected tangent, but I was teaching um, an illustration um, and uh, intro to art class, sorry, intro to art at a college in D.C. And a lot of people who aren't art majors take that, and they just think it's going to be the easiest class, you know. And we're doing mm-hmm. perspective, and we're doing all this stuff, and they're like, this is hard. This is so hard. <laughs> I said, yeah, let me disabuse you of the idea that art is just the easiest thing on the planet. Uh, because I think it's good to know all that basic stuff, and I I find it fun eventually. But I remember taking classes where they would make you draw a, t- a twig for two hours, and it was just felt wow. like torture. And right. now I like drawing <laughs> trees, which is crazy. But um, but I I do feel like I've worked really hard. I mean, I know I've worked really hard at it, and a lot of people have. But I also don't think. Um, you know, it's not all natural talent, and I think a lot of I am I do have talent that I'm thankful for, and I, I have a passion like art always, always 
is a great go-to for me. It calms me down. It, mm-hmm. I'm, bi- I'm bipolar, and it uh, is one of those things that has always sort of brings me back in a way. I mean, I'm, I'm not giving anybody advice here, medical advice, but for right, me personally. Right, right. And if you feel – just as you're talking about that, I mean, again, like I said, I don't do this on the show and I'm not doing therapy or analysis, but whatever you feel comfortable with. I mean, that's what my background is in clinical psychology. If you feel I know, like to share anything, yeah, we'll talk off the air. I have no problem talking off the air, but I'd like to keep everything kind of in its lane. But, you know, I do like to also educate people and, you know, destigmatize things because I think there's, you know, I think we've come a long way. But I think there's still a lot of challenges that people encounter with talking about, you know, psychiatric conditions or mental illness. And if you want to share anything, you know, that you think would be helpful in terms of how, how you found out you had it and things like that, um, that would be great. But also, I, I see what you're saying yeah. with the therapeutic aspect of, of art. Absolutely. Well, and I think part of it is I love drawing minuscule pages of things and tiny things and there's something very therapeutic to me about that like I have an illustrator friend who was like oh he said I love those things Teresa but that would drive me nuts to do that and I said you know (laughs) what it has the opposite effect on me like it really calms me and just I go somewhere and it just draws me in and I enjoy doing it and um but no I was an undiagnosed bipolar for many years and it took you know and just god love my family cuz they hung in there with me but right. when I finally realized that it explains some things and then I also realized I, I'm also an introvert I'm an, like an extroverted introvert like I'll deliver like I'll show up but I have to recharge you know Mhm and I remember things back in the day, like, you know, somebody told me they thought I was very standoffish in a way, like, because I didn't go to lots of parties and stuff. And I thought, see, parties are really hard for me. You know, I've gotten a lot better. I've learned how to manage things and recharge. You know, I've I've learned how to cope in a way where I'll, I'll go to a gathering, but then I kind of, I give myself permission, basically, to go be by myself or leave early or, sure. and, and I used to, I used to think I had to act like a person who really loves to be around lots of people. And it's, it's not the best thing for me. I'm not a party person. I love getting to know one person really well or two people mm-hmm. really well, you know, and at a part, like at a party, I'm not going to be running around. I'm going to be the person over talking to somebody in the corner quietly, you know, and um, and I'm like that. And I think later looking back, I, I think one thing that, I, to your point of is there anything I'd like people to know, I think one thing is that people like to be very, you know, it's Bipolar Awareness Month or it's this or it's that. Right. But I think what people need to understand is what another thing bipolar and depressed people need to have is more forgiveness of how we were in our spaces when we didn't know what was going on. And I don't even mean like my family has been amazing and super wonderful with me, but I do see like socially, you know, there's a social cost to it that you can't always regain. I mean, there's people, I I went through a period of really bad depression and bipolar up and down and Mm -hmm. I was just, 
isolating myself. And, you know, not everybody knew that. And you kind of lose ground socially like that. And you can't Mm -hmm. always regain it. And sometimes I wish, you know, I have even reached out to a couple of people and said, you know, I I just kind of have realized later that back then I was very, um, you know, isolating myself and and that wasn't a reflection on the community at large I just that was working through things and I don't think people are always as forgiving as they could be in that right or as cognizant of it I'm not saying mm-hmm. I mean I haven't like gone around causing tons of harm I was more like I disappear you know is that right what that's what I was, for that's a what while. I was figuring with what you're saying right right yes and I don't know if forgiving is the best word. No, I, I'm not sure. I know I'm what you're getting it, at, though. Just the ability to empathize and maybe the ability to step in someone else's shoes. I, I think that's that's something that I have that I can really, with every person I meet or where people are at in their lives, I'm able to do that. I'm able to say, oh, okay, this person's going through this, and maybe that's why they're this way or they're not feeling up to doing whatever. You know, but like you're saying, some people, right, just – they're not willing to go there. And, you know, that said, I have also learned as a grown-up to, you know, set boundaries, too, with Mm -hmm. people that I think are crazy makers, you know, people that are high drama or people that want to, you know, throw firecrackers in the middle of everything. I do know how to navigate that stuff now. And so I'm not saying people shouldn't have boundaries at all. So I just want to be clear on that because as an adult, you know, and as a person who's been through a lot of things like that, like just, you know, you do also have to set boundaries. I'm not saying everybody should, um, I don't know. I just, I think like you said, just recognizing that. And it's funny because so many comics and creative people have that battle and it's interesting because it, it does help you relate more. It, like, I don't mind talking about all this on stage. I, I talk about all this stuff. Well, you know, I, I, and, you know, but that, I want us to laugh about it. Yeah. Well, and real quick, I think it's a perfect time just to say I, I was watching I Can't Get Enough of That. You have this one stand-up piece that's, that's all over the place where you introduce yourself and you say, I guess you can tell by looking at me. Um, you know, and then you go into Scottish, Irish, and and then the mental health condition, and just the way you do it, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's so that I love that that whole routine you have in that with all your bits and that are so funny. Oh, thank you so much. You know, so funny. funny. I'll tell you something. A, a friend of mine who lived in and Ireland, not to move away from what comedy. you're talking about. So please oh, go no, back to absolutely. whatever you want. To. That's fine. Okay. I I say I'm Scottish, Irish, bipolar. And this friend of mine said, you know, and she's not from Ireland, but she said, you know, Irish people don't like that. And and I've been to Ireland. I'm very sensitive about I wasn't born there, but I'm very Irish in Mm -hmm. heritage, you know. But it's funny because I told her, I said, you know, that's Americans. We're like that. We're always, you know, we're all mixed. We come from a lot of places. And we embrace it so fully that it doesn't occur to us. And I don't know if that's an arrogance in us. You know, it doesn't occur to me that I shouldn't just stand up there and go, I'm Scottish-Irish. You know what I mean? Because it's right. like, well, I wasn't born in Scotland. I wasn't born in Ireland. But look at look at my ancestors, you know, kind of thing. 
Um, but it's funny because she said, oh, don't. But but I did tell her, I said, well, when I went over and did comedy in Ireland, the first thing I did, because I was thinking about politics and stuff and, you know, uh, Americans and our reputation internationally. And the very first thing I did when I got up on stage was like, yes, I'm from America. And first of all, I'd just like to apologize for everything. We're sorry. We're so sorry. We're very, very sorry. And I apologized for like three minutes. And it felt like it broke the eyes, so we right. did that. Cause that was a blast. That's that funny. was a lot of fun. That's funny. No, but that's it. I mean, I love your, and we'll get into that when we get into you, you know, getting really into comedy is this the observational humor. And that totally resonates with me. I'm a huge fan of, like, you know, Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld. I mean, that is my style of humor, taking that minutiae. And just, you know what I mean, the random stuff that happens and, and putting brilliant. comedy behind it. Uh-huh. There's so yeah. much silly stuff every day. And I do feel like I love I love how open people feel in comedy to talk about our weakest stuff and our scariest stuff and our common stuff. It's all the stuff we have in common. And that's one of the reasons I think sometimes that I – I want the audience to know, like, you know, I love y'all. I want us to have fun. I don't say that. I mean, I'm hoping that I kind of convey, like, let's have a good time. Look at y'all. Thank you for showing up. You know, I just feel like Mm -hmm. thank you for showing up because live performances are such a joy and such a treasure. And people are really supporting them. I'm always encouraging people. And I love movies and TV and everything, by the way, too. But I just, something about that live comedy performance, and there is nothing like it. There is just nothing like that. Like where you can play with the audience. You can have your obviously prepared material that's, you know, Mm -hmm. real and coming from you, but you've prepared it so you hopefully are conveying all this humor in the best way and it's not and it's not even like you're thinking that much about like I write a lot and it's tending to I come I come up with stuff when I'm talking more than um uh more than not related to bits I'm already doing but I do put a time every day I write and I have done that for decades and it's such an amazing thing then to put that on its feet and talk and just say it to an audience and have them respond. Like I tried uh, about uh, eight minutes of new material last night. And oh, cool. It was so fun. I'll say six to, yeah, six to eight minutes-ish of new material. And this audience was just so great. It was at this arcade comedy theater here in Pittsburgh, and they have this, show where you it's called stand-up lab and you just do new material it's professional people doing new material and the audiences there are just man they listen and they get it and they help you work it out it's just so nice so I love that journey from writing uh from you know page to stage where you're writing and then you you think I wonder if they'll catch this like, or if mm-hmm. I wonder if I'm left of edit, I love editing. And so I can edit things to the barest of bones. And sometimes I wonder if I do that too much, but then you get the big laugh and then you go, yes, thank you. They, that was just right. You know, that's right. what I needed, you know. That's cool. So there's nothing like and that I'm, feeling. I love making people laugh. 
Yeah, and I'm sure, like, while we're tying this piece together, um, I'm sure with the, the mental health stuff, you know, between the drawing, which was therapeutic, I'm assuming in some way, like you said, the com- the comedy stuff is another way that it's therapeutic for you and it's a release for you. It is, and I, I really get so much joy. And I took off of comedy for years because I had um, – a health problem. I had a, a problem a lot of women have fibroid tumors. I had that for a while and it really sidelined me. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And then I had uh, had a hysterectomy and that changed my life. It was great. Uh, I, it nearly killed me, but I, I changed my life. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was oh, my gosh. Surgeries that didn't go so great, you know, but I had a great doctor. It wasn't, it wasn't okay. anything she did, you know, it was just one of those things. And um, so it was one of those things that years, you know, there were a couple of years at least where I kind of was sidelined and I wasn't able and I kept writing and I kept editing and I missed performing. I really Mm -hmm. missed it. And so there wasn't like a conscious quitting of comedy so much as I'm going to sit back. I've got a child, you know, I've got this health thing going on and sit it out. And I've, in the last several years, just decided to jump back in with both feet and let's just see how good I can get at comedy. And it's different from when I started. When I started, you know, I wanted to be a star. I wanted a sitcom. I felt like mm-hmm. you, you want this, you want the specials, you want the this. Um, I would still love to see my name at a ticketed theater venue, you know, and have people who, come who, get, who get my humor, you know, who get it and know what to expect kind of. But I think it's at this point, I'm just like, how good can I get at comedy? I'd like to see that. That's sort of my, that's my journey right now. I'm not sort of my journey. That's it is great. My journey. Like, like how, how good can I make this? How hard can I make people laugh? You know, let's just see. Yeah. That's what I'm doing and right now. It's kind of that simple right now. It's simple, but I guess I've another question, which I always love to hear my guests talk about, especially, and I'm sorry to hear about the the medical stuff, and I'm sure a lot of people, and oh, myself yeah, included, so I won't get into that, can relate to those types of, you know, unfortunately, uh, female anatomy issues, we will say. Um, but what gives you, like, the resilience, and where does your grit come from, and the perseverance to not give up, um, even though, unfortunately, things do enter our lives that I think a good word you use is just they sideline us sometimes. And some people eventually yeah. throw in the towel, but what makes you, like, I guess, like we said, get back up and say, Hey, I'm going to see how good I can get. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because I have had enough times I've had to sideline myself between that, between physical and mental health things. Mm-hmm. And, but I I really feel like this is something I'm, and I sort of say I'm uniquely qualified, but that sounds like nobody else is qualified to do it. I mean, that's something I have a unique set of skills, and I know how to do this, and I know how to do this well, and mm-hmm. I don't want to short sell it, you know, and so I just want to not give up on it. And there was a period where I felt I had it, you know, because the business of comedy is really hard and I had some really hard knocks. And I also had some great opportunities that I passed up and was regretted later not doing that or this. 
Um, no. I don't, I, now I'm just like, oh, it's a journey. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not wallowing in that. I just feel like, oh, it's a journey. Um, but I love this art form. I think telling me to give up comedy right now, and I, and there was a period in my life where I would not have said this, but I just can't imagine giving it up right now. Sometimes it's so frustrating business-wise, and, you know, you want more gigs, Absolutely. and you need more paying gigs, and you'd like the platforms and all this. But then I have, uh, by the way, I read this really amazing book called The Tao of Comedy, T-A-O, okay. The Tao of Comedy, by okay. Bobby Oliver. And it has breathed new life into my comedy. And I just can't sing her praises well enough. She is a solid stand-up comic, knows what she's talking about. And there's a lot of it is just about being in the moment, breathing through it, enjoying this, relying on, hey, I've practiced, I've written, I have prepared myself for this. And getting on stage and letting the audience know, look, I know how to do this. We're going to have fun, you know, that, and that's something that it was sort of a revelation to me of all things. Like, I feel like, not that I never had shows like that before, but that I think I was stressed out by the goals I had in my mind of, Mm -hmm. I need to do this to be a good comic, or if I were going to be successful at this, this is what that would look like. And I let all that go, and I just am having the best time I've ever had doing comedy. That's amazing. And ironically, I'm not doing the big ticket gigs like I did years ago. I had, you know, Sony produced and Warner Brothers produced and all these DVD stuff, and they were bigger bigger platforms at that time. But, But they weren't I don't know. I'm just, I'm really enjoying doing comedy right now. I feel better in it than I ever have. I feel like I'm better at it than I have ever been. At the same time, I find it excruciating to watch my videotapes. And I've got a whole bunch of clips I'm going to be adding, like a friend of mine's editing, helping me edit my clips, all these videos and stuff. But it's Mm -hmm. funny because I'm just like, man, I don't like watching myself, but it's the only way to learn. And so I do that and get up on stage a lot. But I'm just, I love it. I love making people laugh. I love, I I always think, not to be so serious all the time, I I don't mean to keep coming back to sad things, but, you know, it's one of those things where when I look at an audience, I'm old enough to know that there's people out there that have dealt with every horrible thing uh-huh. you can think of. There's a, yeah. you know, in an audience, you could talk to four people and they've dealt with awful stuff and maybe dealing with awful stuff in that moment and maybe they just needed a laugh. And I think about that and I think my heart is there with them like, y'all came out because you want to laugh tonight and you want to escape. Maybe this is a little mini vacation for you, so I hope we can do that tonight. That's so it's awesome. not that no, I don't I'd... think you should ever talk about serious stuff on stage or political stuff or anything at all, because I love political humor, and I do it now and then. But I do also feel like make them laugh while you're doing it. Make them laugh hard, because that's mm-hmm. what they need. Definitely. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. And why we're talking then let's start to delve into your career and stuff and I mean how you got to where you are today you know 
speaking of, you said you like to watch TV and movies, what types of, and we'll get into, like I said, we'll do a little horror segment later, um, but what types of television did you <laughs> like growing up? Like, were you watching sitcoms? You know, were you interested in Saturday Night Live? You know, give us a little feel yeah. for maybe some of the people that inspired you, you know, along your journey, as we'll say, and later in life. Well, you know what? I remember, here's who I remember so much seeing comedy-wise. Mom's Mabley, mm-hmm. we loved Mom's Mabley, and Toadie Fields, and then I also remember, and I can't even remember, I'm not great at dates, like if I don't have it written down in front of me, but you remember Whoopi Goldberg had that one woman show she did on Broadway, and we had a cassette tape of that my mama and I listened to. I can't even tell you how much we listened to that. We uh, we loved that show so much that she did. And that's the first three that came to mind. I have con- more contemporary ones to name now. I love so many people. But I remember watching them on The Tonight Show. And mm-hmm. I watched, as a kid growing up, you know, I watched I Love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke and all that. And I remember the sitcoms, you know, um, in the 70s and 80s, you know, that I did watch. And I watched probably, I would say, what has probably a huge influence is Looney Tunes and all the cartoons I watched on Saturday morning. Cool. Because I love cartooning and I love voice. I actually always thought I would be a voiceover person eventually. More than a stand-up, because I used to, when I lived in Denver, I did lots of voiceover work, and I liked doing crazy voices and dialects and stuff. I love doing that so much. What Um, types of, um, of like, were you doing cartoon types of voices and stuff? That's one thing I didn't know. Yeah, like, I I can do little voices like this. Like, I can talk like this. (laughs) And I can talk in dialects, and I can change my voice a lot of different ways and do tiny little voices and big voices. And I love doing that, and I just sort of didn't. I sort of stopped marketing myself like that um, when we moved and just never picked it up again. I just I did a lot of that when I was in Denver and and writing radio ads. I did a lot of that too. I oh, wow. did a lot of radio stuff, and um, I loved doing that. But I do think cartoons. You know, I think the color and imagery and music and timing of Looney Tunes. I mean, when I think of something that has had a huge influence on me and my life, I would say that is what's coming to mind today. Now, I'll probably think of something else later that I should have mentioned also, but that's okay. We can always have you back on morning cartoons. Yeah. Oh yeah, please. And, um, you know, I remember watching uh, Scooby-Doo and Josie and the Pussycats and all that stuff. I watched all that stuff. And uh, I think those had a great influence, but the, the standup comics, when I was little, were like Moms Mabley, Cody Fields, and uh, yeah, I, lo- I loved them. And then Whoopi Goldberg, my mom and I just remember us listening to that. And by the way, Whoopi owns one of my paintings right now. I've so, read that. that yeah, that crazy. That's, That's so, so awesome. cool. Yeah. yeah. No, she's 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 fantastic. Yeah, very cool. Um, all right, so let's push forward then a little bit. We got a lot of nice. Uh, stuff from your background so you're getting through high school right and you know take us a little bit through you know more of the getting towards the end of high school and what you're thinking about doing 
colleges that you might be interested in going to? And then let's start to talk a little bit about, you know, what led you to choosing the University of Memphis, where you did your fine arts uh, bachelor's degree. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I went, when I was in high school, I was really into art and theater. You know, I acted on stage. And did, you know, I was Lucy and You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and all that. And I had fun doing that. And I liked it. And then when I – but I love art so much that when I got to college and basically went to uh, – it was uh, Memphis State when I went there, but now it's the University of Memphis. And they had oh, okay. a great graphic design program. And that's what my degree's in is graphic design. And uh, so that's where I went to school. And I tried to double major in theater and art, and it was just too much. But I, also, but I did work on some films while I was there. Like uh, there was a production company, Pensner Productions, and they did a, a zombie movie, and I worked on the mm-hmm. zombie movie. And my job was bringing pig guts to the stage. Uh, basically, you know, I, I could get nice. guts from the meatpacking company, but I also did a bunch of the little graphics that they needed, like the FBI badges and lots of little, I worked on stuff like that and did that for this movie. And, um, I did storyboards for MTV music videos with them and oh, wow. um, TV top videos. I found out later we won a, uh, an MTV video award for one of those for TV dinners. Oh, that's that was so the one cool. with the little alien. But isn't that funny? And I didn't know it for years, but yeah. I did storyboards for that. And so it's interesting to me because there are things that I look back at and I think, man, that trajectory could have taken off right then. I could have just gone into storyboarding, which I loved doing. I, I wasn't very good at it back then, I don't think, but I think that would have been, I would have loved that, you know, because I love that frame us, uh, and that format. Give us, yeah, give us a bullet, Teresa, on just like describing, you know, like a little tutorial on what storyboarding is. Like, how do you put those concepts oh, yeah. together? Well, story, yeah. Storyboarding is basically drawing out what the shots in a film or video are going to look like, you know, right. drawing it out comic style, basically. Right. And uh, I have friends who, re- who do that now that, um, uh, just do it professionally and at a great level. But I would look back and I go, I could, that would have been something I think I would have been happy doing. Voiceover full-time would have been great. I always had a lot of interest. And so what I kind of did was I went ahead and got my art degree, but I kind of kept my hand in performance and theater, just doing stuff where I could. And then years later, I went to Hallmark Card. And that's where I met someone that did stand-up, and he encouraged me to do stand-up after a performance. I did an improv performance thing we did as a presentation, and he came up to me after and said, have you ever thought of doing stand-up? I said, no, once in seventh grade somebody told me I should, but no, I haven't really. (laughs) And he said, I think you ought to try stand-up. I'm like, okay. So I went out and watched some. Isn't that funny? And I went out and watched some improv, uh, I mean, some improv, some open mic nights. And I remember thinking, I can be that bad. And <laughs> so I did. So I put my little three minutes together and, and uh, started doing comedy, of all things. And how, and, real quick, how did you get to Hallmark? Because, and I just want to put, I just want to lay this out here just because I am so saddened by, like, card stores closing down. And that was, I mean, I used to love 
Teresa to go to the card store and just all the accessories and all. The, and we used to have two beautiful ones in our mall. And I mean, it's been a few years, but the one of them closed down a long time ago, but there was still a Hallmark. And I am just like devastated. I mean, it's just so sad. I, I miss like those types of things. I like to go into a store and, you know, and support the people who do these cards. And, you know, oh, it's just to me just such a, just such a devastating thing. So yeah, tell us how well, did you get and into I'm a Hallmark? Big pen and paper nerd too. Like I love pen and paper and the tactility and um well Hallmark used to go around to schools and uh, and recruit and ah. they would look at your portfolios and that's how I got my job. Basically, uh they flew me up to Hallmark and I had thirteen interviews scheduled in two days. Oh and I gosh. got at the end of that in different departments. And at the end of that, I had two job offers. And one was the Hallmark Hall of Fame department wants you to come in and design posters. Oh, my gosh. And the other one, and I loved that because that's what I wanted to do. That's, I remember my college final project. That's what I did with theater posters. I always felt that's what I wanted to do, you know, with my art. And then the other one was, uh, greeting card design wants to hire you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so interesting. I think I'll go with greeting card design. It didn't occur to me to really, I didn't know how it worked. I just, you know, you were just taking the steps like, okay, yeah. interviews, what is going to happen? Mm-hmm. And wow. um, I remember being so hungry for two days because, you know, they would take you out to all these wonderful meals, but you never got a chance to eat them because you were talking the whole time, you know? <laughs> and, um, right. And I loved working there, and I've got lifelong friends from Hallmark in Kansas City. So that's what took me to Kansas City, and that's where I met my husband, and that's where we got married, too, actually. And before you went to Hallmark, just share with us, did you ever have any interesting side jobs, you know, jobs you did in high school or college before you really got into your career? I always like to hear people always have some interesting jobs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I worked at Wendy's. Uh-huh. I worked at Wendy's drive through for a while. I can remember what we couldn't, uh, they would say the frothy, you know, people would say, I want a milkshake. And you'd say, we don't have a milkshake. And they'd say, well, what do you have? And you'd say the frothy. And they'd go, what is that? And you had to say this. And I remember this. Well, the frothy is a half vanilla, half chocolate frozen dairy dessert. That's what we would say. <laughs> That's um. You got it. Wait. Do you have any of that in your stand up? You have to put something like that into your stand up. I don't have that yet. I should do that. Yeah. And then uh, I cleaned the restrooms too. I was really good at cleaning the restrooms, unfortunately, (laughs) and they let me do that a lot. They let me do that a lot. But yeah. So that wasn't. Yeah. That was not. So anyway, Wendy's. You know what? I want everyone to know Wendy's was super clean. Like I was so impressed. I told everybody I was like, okay, y'all need to. Eat at Wendy's. They make us clean all the time. We're always cleaning. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And, or I could uh, see actually, I could see what you just said too. It's like a like a Saturday Night Live little skit. You know what I mean? The person's coming yeah. through the drive through <laughs> yeah. and like, yeah. See, that's yeah. where my mind goes. That's why I need to get into what more. What is a frosty? Yeah. Uh, define um, a frosty. I love uh, how many times a week I had to define a frosty. But I also did freelance art jobs. Like I remember one of my first freelance jobs, if not the first, it might have been, was designing cross-stitch designs for a company. And I did a whole bunch of those like seasonal cross-stitch designs. Uh, Another time I helped a theater guy I knew build uh, 
a set for an ad and it was for towels and we built a giant rainbow out of towels of different colors. Neat. Right? And then he broke his foot and I had to do it all. And so I remember him sitting there telling me, bossing me around and I was just thinking, this is not rocket science. I can do a rainbow out of towels and just stapling right. towels to styrofoam. <laughs> this is not like you don't have to explain to me how to do this. Anyway, but I listened. I didn't push back. I just listened and obeyed and made the big rainbow. Um, um, I'm trying to think of others, but I've had a lot of like, no, that's good. little no, that's, jobs. Those, are, those yeah. are good. I always I remember one musician I interviewed once. He had a like, he was like working at a racetrack and he had to like clean up the, you know, <laughs> the horses stuff all over the track. Like people just have like interesting, you know, stories and jobs that, you know, yes, help them along everybody. the way. And yeah. Um, <laughs> Everybody's jobs. Yeah. And I love, I was looking at him last night and who knows, I probably bought one of your cards or bought your cards and, you know, at some point, but I was looking at some of your cards on the, um, your studio shop site. Do you still have those cards? I mean, are your cards still in doors? Well, you know what? I uh, used to work a lot for a couple of different companies and don't really do greeting cards that much anymore. Um, And one company I did a lot for, uh, like, you know, if they change personnel or art directors and somebody comes in and they're not as into you as the other person was, lose a lot of that work. And then I just started over that period, like, I really love doing greeting cards. So, I've yes, I have those available on, on my, some of my They're online great. shop stuff. Thank and you so much, you, and I love doing greeting cards. No, it's so uh, cool. And the woman, if you want to talk a little bit about, I mean, people can, of course, go on to your site on um, Laughing Redhead Studio, right? Is that where they're at again? It's laughingredhead.com. Okay, and, and then, then there's the studio. Up, just on my site, go up to the shop and the drop-down menu. And you'll find okay. the different places to buy things. But um, I love the woman. You know, there's, there's, you know, you have certain characters, and you know, oh my gosh, the slogans, and they're just so like on point with you know birthday cards and and different things like that. So, how did you Thank like? You. Who is that person? Why don't you just tell us? Just give us a bullet or two on on her and the development of her, because I know you do have a couple of different, you know individuals or you know characters so to speak that you feature throughout some of your gag cartoons and things like that well I think it's because you know it's voices of people you know and yourself you know it just feels like these are my friends in a way these characters and Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) I haven't you know I hadn't gone at really developing long term like some characters in uh, comics kind of format until uh, during kind of overlapping pandemic. I spent a couple of years working with a syndicate editor uh, developing a comic strip, which I just actually, and no one bought it. She loved it, but they were changing formats and she didn't buy it. Some other people turned it down. And so now I just share my comic strip, which where there are actual developed characters there um, I share that on my Patreon. And then it's like, okay. these are all pieces of that, these characters. The, the women in my greeting cards feel like me and my friends and the kind of conversations we have. And then mm-hmm. it makes me feel really good that you like them so much. This makes me oh, feel I really good them. because mm-hmm. 
it's fun because you know that's how you talk with your friends and that's the kind of stuff you say to your friends. And I I really do love greeting cards. I just haven't done them in a while. So, yeah. So okay. if anybody wants, I've got a cabillion sitting here. So if you want. <laughs> yeah. No, they're great. They're great. And let's, uh, and, and then I don't we'll get into physical comedy. greeting cards. I have a cabillion ideas. Like, sitting here. <laughs> I didn't okay. Mean, I like I've got a mountain of greeting cards sitting here. Definitely. And while we're talking about comics and stuff like that, like how did you get into, and it was funny, I didn't really know what they were called. I mean, I always loved them until I had interviewed Bob Eckstein and, you know, started learning about the one panel gag cartoon. So, I mean, and you got some great ones. You know, I love the bat one you have where he explains that he's just, or she's just wearing reading glasses. Um, You know, you got some, you know, it's not a self, the other one I love is it's not a self-improvement book. It's how to tolerate those who won't improve themselves. Book, um, yeah. So many. So, how did you get into doing those? Those are just. I love those. I think the, one of the reasons I love doing gag cartoons is it's the it. How can you get to the joke in a very concise way, but also you mm-hmm. can do art with it, you know, and you can deliver all that together. Um, and you can do visual jokes, which, you know, you can't do in stand-up. And I love, I love all these different ways to deliver humor. Like in stand-up, you know, I can use my voice and timing and all that stuff that I can't use when I'm writing. If I'm writing a humor article, I have other advantages that I don't have in stand-up. Every, every little, every different sort of way to deliver humor has its advantages, you know? And so what you have when you're doing a gag cartoon is you can draw a funny little bat or you can draw um, some glib looking characters that are just (laughs) saying something off of it. You know what I mean? And, and it's just a fun, different way to deliver humor. And for me, I personally love doing the gag cartoon. I know some people, prefer longer format strips, comics, books, and all that. And I like doing all of those things. But I think for my sense of humor, maybe gag cartoons are the best delivery system besides stand-up. And I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. I may be overjudging myself, but sometimes I think that's more how I edit and write is a gag cartoon, like the, the short, sweet punch, get to the punch. Quickly, yeah, and I think you know, and that in and of itself is is a talent because that's not that's not easy to do. You know what I mean? Like, I know myself personally. I still get yelled at for at my career, or my job because my evaluations are just they're extensive. They're and I like to be very detail oriented, very thorough. But could I probably say what I'm saying in three or four pages versus five or six? Sure, and I'm working on it. I haven't gotten there yet, but you know, I think that. I think that that is such a skill and that's something that, you know, I know is a, something I need to really work on and continue developing because I like to evolve as a person. I don't want to just say stuck, but just you doing these gag cartoons, I think, yeah, I think that is potentially a little more challenging than, you know, doing a three or four or five panel strip. Well, and you know, this is something I don't think I mentioned either like job wise when Andrew was little and I knew I wouldn't be on, that's my son, and I wouldn't be on the uh-huh. road as much as I thought, mm-hmm. uh, as I could have been uh, if I wasn't, you know, devoting time to being a mom, which I love being. Um, 
I thought, well, you know, I want to keep doing something. I applied for a greeting card company job, and I telecommuted from Denver to a company on the East Coast editing I was creative director of their humor line and so oh, wow. I edited greeting cards for seven years so when you read hundreds of jokes and edit every week that I became so much stronger a writer because I was editing all the time That's so cool. I was just editing and I love that piece of it I love where can we switch this you know you know, take that word out of the middle because that's the funny part and put it as the last word in the joke because that's the right. punch. And if you right. put it in the middle, you know, people are going to start. If you're in live performance, people are going to start laughing and they're going to miss the rest of the sentence. So you just put that punch at the end. You just try to, whenever you can, move that stuff around so that the audience hears what you need them to hear but gets the punch. And do your mm-hmm. best. That also telegraphs the joke. If you throw stuff into the middle of something, you don't want them. It lessens the punch if you if you telegraph by hinting at stuff too much. So I love that balance. I love that editing piece of it where you go, well, yeah, this is funny. How can it be funnier? You know, can it be dissected a little bit? And, right. And and yet keep the flow. You want to keep the flow. You don't want it to sound uh, like a robot has written the jokes. You know, you want you want the flow. But I love that. So that that's funny because that was I, I don't think of that as a side job because it was like a full full time thing. But it was sure. it taught me a lot, and I I learned how much I like editing. I really do like it, and I love yeah. writing. I love writing, but jokes but I love the editing so back to that gag cartoon thing I think that's why I feel like that's probably my best spot visually Mm -hmm. for humor but I also like this strip I've worked on for a couple of years which bland is just a drop in the ocean you know I have friends who have done strips for 30 and 40 years you know seven days a week and I did that for a couple of years. And one thing that I, and I still write them now and then, and I'm just giving those to my Patreon supporters. But what I love about the strip format is the way you can have an arc of a character and develop characters and you can develop personalities and develop, you know, a, right. a, a family of characters. And I don't mean literal family. I just mean a family right, of right. characters within your strip and you can, travel and journey with those you know as opposed to gag cartoons gag cartoons are get in and get out <laughs> sure <laughs> no that's I mean? <laughs> but I kind of like that's that. a perfect that's description like. yeah yeah well I mean you know You're it's fun. you know and congratulations I mean you got Andrews uh, McNeil as your publishing which you know they did the far side they did Calvin and Hobbes um you know yeah, pulling a little yeah. bit Let's just pull that in here. You know, how did it come to be? Tell us the story behind how you started working with them. And, you know, then let's plug a couple of the um, the books that you have out there that people can purchase. Oh, yeah. Great. Well, this is fun story because this is one of those things when it's like just keep doing the work. Keep doing the work and, and, and hopefully you will cross paths with someone who will recognize the work, um, mm-hmm. even if you're not the most savvy at seeking people out, you know, and so 
I was doing, I had been to the stationery show, the New York stationery show, which is the big gift industry and greeting card show uh, for companies that I had worked for for years. But when I went out on my own and I formed Laughing Redhead Studio, I got a booth at the New York stationery show. And during the New York stationery show, and, and by the way, when I worked for Hallmark, I used to drive by Andrews McNeil Publishing almost every day. And I would think, oh, wow. I want to be published by them someday. But that just seemed like truly, truly the farthest out of dreams. You know, that mm-hmm. what? that's not, you know, but I was, that was like, I want to be published by them. That was so amazing. Oh, my gosh. So years later, I'm doing the stationery show. And a friend of mine, Becky Kelly, who's an amazing artist, illustrator, was having a signing at the Andrews McNeil booth uh, during the show for one hour during the four days of the show. And I had a student who was going to sit. I mean, I had asked a friend who had a student in New York. I said, do you know anybody I could get to sit my booth while I go to my friend's signing? Because I need to be away from my booth for an hour. And so we got, I got this person to set my booth. And so I had only been gone from my booth for an hour. I was up at the Andrews McNeil booth. And while I was gone, Andrews McNeil editors came by and left their card and said, ask Teresa if she wants to do a book with us. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. I couldn't believe it. I came back and I'm like, and the other thing is, it's hilarious. Like, are you kidding? I've been sitting here for four days. I'm gone like an hour. But Becky swears that the reason I have a book deal is because when I was standing there at her book signing, the president of Andrews McNeil was standing there and I turned around to say something to somebody and I knocked over a big stack of books and just was a complete idiot and going making jokes about it and stuff. And she goes, I think that's why you have a book deal. I was like, ah, I love it. <laughs> I mean, she likes my work too. She's not short selling that. But, you know, it was just funny because I was like, no, that's awesome. made a fool of myself, wasn't at my booth, got their card and a note. You know what I mean? And it was just a business card with it written on the back. Would you like to do a book with us? And I'm like, holy moly. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, yesterday. Congrats, you know, that's amazing. So now I've done four books with them, and I love, love, love them. And my editor, same editor I've had for over 15 years, love her. And I feel super fortunate to have them, you know, to be with them. I love them. And I've I've got some, I'm, I do pitches and proposals regularly. I get a lot of rejection. All y'all should know that. It's just, you know, you got to keep doing the work. It's part of that. That's right. what I have to say to people. Yeah. It's not, so when you're saying, that was a magic moment that I just described, but you keep doing the work. And I've also exactly. had a lot of stuff rejected. And, um, you know, that's the way, that's the way it is. That's the business and that's how it works. And you just have to keep creating and not curl up into a fetal position too often. Not saying I never do that. But you know, right. you just need right. to sometimes you need that like I can do that breather, but then you get back yeah. on the horse, so to speak, and you you right, and you start Absolutely. pushing forward again. Yeah, Absolutely. so um, yeah. Big, I mean, it, it, definitely, it is just that thing of believing in yourself. You know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. No, no, no. I wish at some point my goal will be to have like a video thing, and that's why I love people, my my guests. Um, products and stuff because my goal is I have this idea in my mind in the background one day I'm going to have everyone's stuff displayed and this really neat idea you know so oh but anyway. you know what I gotta tell you I love the voice to voice and I'm more relaxed 
Um, yeah, I love radio. Okay. I love, I just, just putting my two cents in. I yeah. love, I'm so much more relaxed when I'm not on Zoom. And thank you. I'm not saying I, I, I'm not, I'm not a Zoom hater, but I will say I, I, I know that I'm more relaxed when I just do voice interviews. Okay, so they're not they're not archaic, so to speak, because I feel like you know I'm oh, behind the eight ball a little bit. Like I'm like, so. oh no. <laughs> I listen to podcasts all the time. I okay. have a huge list I listen to. I I love voice. I love the voice, and I okay. Um, I'm one of those people. Like I sometimes, I sometimes find the visuals distracting. I think a lot of people feel pressured to do that. And I mm-hmm. get it, you know, and, but, you know, if you can link to stuff, I feel like, you know, follow the link to the stuff. It, it's not, it's okay. We can do that. And um, I was so, I'm always so relieved to not be on video myself. And it's not like, I don't mean it to, I don't mean it to sound like I hate being on video. I hate being visual, you know, cause I was talking about TikTok no. earlier. But there is just this extra pressure, and sometimes you feel like, man, I just really like just talking to somebody and not having yeah. to look and not having to have a background, and I just like talking about stuff. Let's just talk. Let's just cool. talk. Well, thank you. That. that made me feel really good today, and I, now I, yeah, I mean, because, yeah, I feel like, right, that's something I need to kind of get on board with or someplace. But you know what I'd love to do? I mean, because just... Again, like you, I like the one-on-one stuff. I was never, again, I went out to parties with my friends and went to clubs, and I hated it. You know, I would rather be at a small, intimate, you know, comedy club or watching a band play with, you know, 20 people in the crowd than at some massive place. That is not my thing either. So, but I would love to. And I love big audiences. Like, I love that. Doing stand-up is a whole different animal to me than the social thing. Like, I love a big audience and I love a small audience. But I'm the same way. Like, I like getting to know people. I don't Mm -hmm. like small talk. I don't like, um, how's the weather? (laughs) What's your job? Good to meet you. Maybe we'll cross each other's path again, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not super intense. I'm not trying to scare people, but I do feel like I like to. I don't like fake conversations. I like I like truthful people and truth yeah. tellers, and and I like getting to know people on a different level than just what's your job. Exactly. You know? Yeah, something that has more substance, more depth. So what I was getting yeah. at, I was one day again, like you with the the greeting card. Um, I mean, with Andrew McNeil dropping off their card to you. You know, I loved like if you've ever seen David Letterman's interviews on Netflix. Have you ever seen his? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's what I would love to do. I mean, just that small intimate audience sitting there one on one with the guest and just like that's yeah, great. yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'll work at it. Let's manifest that for you. That would be great. Yeah. We'll put um, that into yeah, the that's universe. My like, that's my bread and butter, and that's just my personality. And, like, just getting to know you and your career and just who you are as a person is just, like, phenomenal. It is. So. It's, so, it's so much better than just one and done, kind of ask a couple of questions and leave them. Uh-huh. Like the, the press junket thing you see actors have to do I, I sometimes just my heart goes out to them because you know they've been asked right shallow questions for like 50 times you know instead of and and I just yeah I think it's important to know 
people better. And to be genuinely interested in them, not just a rush, like you said, cookie cutter, you know, ask five or six questions and be on our way. And that's interesting. I'm not going to get into it, but I've shifted a lot with my interviews. I've really brought, you know, a more eclectic group of people. I, I primarily focused on musicians in the beginning. And it was a challenge because I don't think a lot of people necessarily could get my style and what I was doing. Probably because maybe they were used to more of that cookie cutter, just ask a few questions where I'm doing, you know, this hour plus interview. But I've noticed just, and I'm giving a compliment to you and, and all the more recent people I've had on my show. And again, everyone's been great. It's, it's not a knock at anyone. But I think people who have been in the field for a long time and are more seasoned, they get me a little bit more. Um, I'm not sure if there's any merit to that, but. Oh, there definitely is, and just an appreciation for you digging a little deeper and and, mm-hmm. and drawing out of me stuff that I hadn't really thought about in that way is so helpful. Like you were talking about influence and stuff. I don't think I've ever thought about the Looney Tunes and the I've thought about Moms and Cody and all of them and mm-hmm. Whoopi, but I was thinking, you know, I think Looney Tunes had a huge influence, a huge influence, and, and Disney's little skeleton dance. But I think Looney Tunes is the biggest, you know. But speaking of people who've been on your show, and I haven't had a chance to listen to it, I saw that you had Kathy Ladman recently, and I love yes. Kathy Ladman so much. Oh, my And gosh. matter of fact, Kathy Ladman's my comedy coach right now. And oh, uh, awesome. never had a comedy coach, but I thought, if I'm going to try to get really good at this, and so I have met with her a few times, and then I saw her in L.A. She came to my show. I, I came to see her at Laugh Riot Girl. Then she came to my show that I was in at Laugh Riot Girl. And I'm taking a train to New York in September to see her one-woman show. Oh, that's awesome. That's I so cool. Yeah, she's so great. Excited. When you get a chance, check her out. Really wonderful. I mean, just amazing I will, person. Man. Yeah. And she yeah. is such a solid superstar, freaking great comic. She's yes. a great, great, <laughs> yes. great. Did you see her last performance? Comic. Did you see her when she was um not too long ago? She was on, I think. Um, oh yeah, she was on the Tonight Show, wasn't she? Yeah, like that was like her tenth Tonight Show appearance. How many people yes. have that in their, you know, in their quiver? She's amazing. I yes, just that was so great. Kathy Ladman fan. I think she's freaking stellar, brilliant stand-up comic. Absolutely. I love her. I Absolutely. just had to throw that in there. I just love her. No, so thank much. you. No, it's nice to bring, like, again, I briefly mentioned Bob Eckstein earlier with the gag cartoons. It's nice to see kind of the overlap and just, you know, it's it's a small world. People don't realize, like, once you start to meet the various individuals in the entertainment industry, it gets a little smaller than you think it is. It is. Oh, and speaking of that, I didn't think I was going to mention this. You, do you know Wendy Liebman? She and I are working on I would book love together. to interview gonna... her at some point. Yes, I know of her because oh, I remember should. she was on. The delight. Wasn't she on um, America's Got Talent? Yes, yeah, she did, did she? that, and she's yes, done that's all the big shows. From. Yeah. She's great, and she's a delightful person, and we've known each other for years, and we worked on another couple of art project things like she needed a poster one time for a fundraiser she was doing and we worked together on that and she was so fun to work with and we just had a great time and then later 
she reached out to me because, anyway, long story short, we're working on a book. And publishing-wise, we shall see. I'm going to kind of reach out to a couple of people, but I'm not sure if we're going to self-publish or if we're going to get a publisher or okay. what we're working on that. But it's so fun. So I met with her and went to her house. We worked on our on our book when I was in L.A. too and just love her. And it was cool. just, that was such a great trip. Oh, and that Laugh Riot Girl Festival is run by Bobby Oliver, the person who wrote The Dow of Comedy. She's amazing. Oh, wow. She's, okay. she's somebody you'd love. You'd love Bobby, too. She's amazing. All right. Well, we'll have to touch base. We'll have to touch base off the air or something. That would be great. Um, so, let's see. In terms of the book you're writing, is it something you're doing together or, like, you illustrating it or you guys are both doing the content? She's- She's doing the writing, and I'm doing some editing, and I'm doing the illustrations. And wow. she invited me to edit, and I was like, well, Wendy, you don't need me editing your jokes. But now and then I have gotten <laughs> to edit a few, and, you know, that's fun. I thought that was real cool of her to ask me to, you know, have a look. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Okay. How nice of you. Like, yeah. like, and I like think Wendy needs me. When- no, but I think, you know, and again, that says a lot about her as a person. I mean, saying, hey, you know what, I'm a great comedian, but you know what, I have my own probably little areas that I need help with. But I think the other thing, too, is, and I know this, and again, not going to get into this on the air, but I have a background in music as a singer-songwriter, and I remember the producer, and I worked with someone who was phenomenal, toured, worked with some of the best producers, and uh, that's another story. Talk about someone who's too critical. I still have music I just haven't put out because I just, well, we'll get to that another time. But anyway, what I was trying to get to was I remember him saying to me, like, you need outside people. You get you get so, your ears can't hear anymore when you're so, you know what I mean, ingrained in working on a song for so long. And it's having those objective yes. outside people come in that could say, oh, yeah, 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 why don't we, like you're saying, edit this or fine-tune this so I can appreciate it mm-hmm. from that perspective. So that's cool Definitely. that she said to you, hey, you're kind of an outsider. Like, look at this. Tell me what you think. <laughs> yes, and she she's just wonderful. There's so many wonderful, wonderful women comics. And uh, I just, yeah, I just loved this festival I went to and just I I feel like there's so many people out there and if people I love shows like yours because it highlights people that aren't across the news necessarily all the time you know because everybody's Mm -hmm. talking about you know Barbie and Oppenheimer and you know and then you want to say that's great but there's so many people out here doing work all the time exactly the top of their game and it's just really nice that you're interviewing people and highlighting people and um because and we appreciate that because we're always looking for opportunities to to make people know that hey we're working out here and you know we want to make you laugh and and just come support live comedy you know definitely no definitely um so let's do this. I mean, I don't know if you want to touch base on any more of the comedy stuff. I think we, we did touch base on a lot of it. I mean, you did have some amazing experiences mm-hmm. opening for some great people like Seinfeld and Paula Poundstone, and you've appeared on HBO and A&E. So, you know, if you want to highlight um, any of those pieces of your career, feel free to. And then let's dive a little bit into some, uh, I guess we could say, Halloween in August. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I've been, well, I love uh, opening for the people I have, and, and those are, some of them are years ago, some of them are more recent. Recently, I was opened for Ardell O'Hanlon, who's a great Irish stand-up comic, and okay. that's how I got connected to the Comedy Cellar in Dublin, because he founded that comedy club, and um, oh, after wow. I opened for him, he he said, come here, I want you to call this person and I want you to get a set when you're in Dublin. I already had a trip planned to Dublin when I opened for him. It was just one of those amazing sort of zeitgeist things. But um, I uh, stand-up-wise, I'm posting my things on Instagram and my Facebook comedy page. My Facebook comedy page is Teresa Roberts Logan Comedy. And... Um, then publishing-wise, I'm just working on comics. Like you mentioned, my tapas. I've got this serialized comic book I'm working on, autobiographical, called Jesus Freak, Losing My Religion, which is like a humorous look at my Southern Baptist upbringing. And then I'm working on this one I'd love to get a publisher for, Venue, which is a comic book about doing comedy comic about hmm. being a comic interesting so, okay did i answer that's your question cool. i'm so bad at, at no no that's I'm okay i just tangential. wanted you to <laughs> no no we moved you know again i have you know i have a linear type of interview but i like to also keep it a little flexible and open-ended so you know i think we touched base on a lot of comic stuff early slash middle on in the interview so i mean sorry yes yeah, comedy stuff sorry i thought i said cartoonist stuff yeah, I just wanted you to pull in if there was anything else that, of course, you wanted to highlight. Um, but I think you, I think you well, hit the nail on the head with most of it. I would just encourage people to go to my TikTok at Laughing Redhead and make me feel not so all alone there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we got to get that out there. I'm just trying to do some of that, and like uh, I just love I just love doing stand up, and I'm looking for more places to do it always. So that's out there and um, working on my comics. I post a lot of stuff in progress on my Instagram. Um, Sometimes I wonder if I overshare my in progress work, but I like doing that. I think people like seeing it. So, yeah, I love your stuff. I mean, and I love, especially like you said, like the, there's like a whimsical quality to, you know, I know you do a lot of different types of work, but you know, that's one thing that I really gravitate towards is kind of that whimsical quality, especially all the different, the one that I posted for, you know, previewing your podcast with the really colorful and all the intricacies in it with all the different little people and characters. You know, I love that type of stuff. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I yeah. love doing it. It's mm-hmm. always nice to hear people are enjoying it. Just it's you know, the encouragement is great and welcome. Definitely. So let's delve into okay, sure a little bit of Halloween here and then we'll well I won't I don't want to keep you all day. <laughs> um so <laughs> you were born in you were born in October, so I know that and that, that was something that definitely, you know, be, made you get interested in the month of October and Halloween and what what comes with it. So, you know, tell us a little bit about that. And and were you a kid that grew up, you know, liking horror movies? Um, what were some of your favorite horror movies, you know, growing up? What are some of the more current ones? You, tell us a little bit about that. And then I have a bunch of other questions I'll ask you. Okay. Um, October, I was born in October. And so often ha- when we had a birthday party, it would have 
a Halloween theme to it. Like there would be, you know, Halloween candy and how, you know, and Halloween stuff. And that might be a big piece of that, but of my love of Halloween, but also I just love the holiday as it exists in the universe that it's not an obligatory holiday. You don't have to buy gifts. You don't have to do this. It's just dress up and hand out candy. It's just Mm -hmm. fun. And that's one of the things I love about that. And, um, and I really go all out. I have a lot, I have more Halloween decor than (laughs) other than Christmas. I just barely do Christmas, but Halloween, I go all out and decorate outside and I have a lot of little kids come and I make goodie bags for them. I make nice little goodie bags for every kid that comes to the door. I love that. And I have always loved that. Um, so we used to, uh, when we lived in Virginia and we had a bigger space and driveway, I mean, we would do stuff like a friend of mine would go in with me and bring her Halloween decor over because nobody came to her neighborhood. And we had remote control rats in the driveway and fog. Oh, my gosh. Like we did everything, you know. Um, but I just love the holiday and the spirit. And my, my neighborhood, I grew up in Memphis. There was a woman who would dress like a witch and she had a real cauldron, like a real iron cauldron. And she had dry ice and steam and she would give you the candy out of that. There was another neighbor who would hide between the houses every year and jump out and scare. Everybody knew who he was. It was not like creepy. He was wonderful. (laughs) Like, you know, he had a family, everybody knew him, but he would dress up and, you know, chase kids and stuff, you know, just would, he would duck out and then duck back in for the next batch of kids. It was really fun. And uh, just our neighborhood was so into it. And Halloween was such a freeing, wonderful holiday. So I've always loved that. I do think movie influences. Well, I always remember the ghost in Mr. Chicken. Like that's like one of my favorite all time. It's a horror comedy. And okay. looking at it now, it doesn't even feel horror hardly because it's so kind of fun and goofy. But okay. the ghost of Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts, I remember that one. I remember loving, you know, the Munsters and the Adams Family and all that. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that. And I just love that style of art. I love creepy decor. I love my my house doesn't look like that, but it probably would if. If um, if my husband was as into all that stuff as I am, but my studio is all Halloweened out, like it's got a lot <laughs> of Halloween awesome. stuff. I've been to uh, horror. I went to T- Telluride Horror Festival one year, and then one yeah, year. Tell me about that. I, what is? What, I mean, I've well, heard of, and well, I've heard of that because of the the car, and that's the only reason I even know of Telluride. But yeah, I saw that there's some horror show or festival. What's that about? It is a great horror festival, and I had never been to one. And one year, my husband sent me there for a birthday gift. And I went by myself, and I stayed a couple of mountaintops away and took the gondola down into town by myself, back and forth every day. And and at night, sometimes it was pretty creepy by yourself in the dark, going through the mountain. Like, the gondolas, like, just travel up, and they're, it's, sometimes it's just you and the thing, and it's pitch black, and you're going through the tops of the trees, but the movies were great, and it was a great festival. It's a great town. It was a real luxurious, wonderful thing to get to do. You know, I just loved it. Then I think the next, yeah, the next year was COVID. So they did it online, 
And that was oh. also wonderful and awesome because you could see so many more movies, you know, just because of the, you don't have the time constraint of getting from place to place. You know, they didn't have to right. schedule it totally differently. So I watched 34 horror movies in four days. What are and some highlights? Includes, Go ahead. That includes shorts and stuff. Um, wow. I would say, well, I'm gonna, I'm remembering right now one from the one I went to in person um, was a movie called Extraordinary, and it was a really funny horror comedy. Okay. Um, I loved loved it, and then I there was a movie called The Lodge, which I noticed now. Oh my is gosh, it's so funny you Amazon. said that. It's I think oh, it's wow. on HBO right now because I was looking. Every like yes. once a month, I'll kind of go scroll through, and I it's did see that, and I wrote so that down. Scary. Is it all right? Cool. It, it's so scary. It stars Richard Armitage and uh, Riley Keough, who is uh, yes. Elvis's granddaughter, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it okay. is like The Shining meets Misery meets. It's oh. so scary. It's really all right. Scary. Don't tell me any. Don't, and the don't, night don't I saw tell me that. Else. <laughs> Yeah, I won't. It was the it was the last night of the festival, and I had I took the gondola back up the mountain through the dark and dark of the trees. I mean, pitch black. It's pitch black, and you're in this thing swinging over the trees, like you go like over a couple of mountains. Then I get out, and it's like the ta- the little area where the gondola lands is just deserted. And then I had to walk through the woods to get back to the place where I was staying. And I was like, well, this is creepy. This is pretty creepy. Like, wow. But it was great. It was a great experience. That's but The cool. Lodge is a great movie. I recommend it. But feel like you really need to be a horror fan. It's it's jarring. There's some very jarring that, things. Well, that's There's a couple I of like stuff very jarring things. In okay. Now, I like the weirder. And, again, I, I work in a prison setting. So maybe there's some, again, someone, <laughs> someone will interview me one day. But, the weirder and the more obscure, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really drawn to, like, that type of stuff. Well, we should talk then. You know, we could do a whole thing about feminist horror. Like, I've seen some great stuff in the last few years. Relic, Amulet. Um, okay. Oh, man, what's that other one with the woman that starred in that ghost movie? You know, I'm trying to think. You know, I'm going to have to look some stuff up because I've got a whole okay. list. When people ask me, what do you recommend? I have a huge horror list, and I have it broken out into okay. categories, and I'll send that to you. But feminist cool. horror yeah, I have is a, I have a list that I've been making just to keep track of what I, what I see and what I – and, again, to be honest with you, I don't think things are – I don't know. I mean, did you like the originals? Like, you know, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw. I mean, some of those classics, you don't get that same vibe today. You know what I mean? Well, and you know what? It's this is weird that I haven't seen some of the big classics, and I've started oh, going through those. But I did see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre just for the first time a couple of years ago, and I was shocked at how much I loved it. I thought it was yeah. so. Uh, it was great. So much better than what I thought it would be, and I wasn't as gory as most stuff. I mean, I mm-hmm. watch. You know, I'll watch crime series on TV sometimes or just, and I, I'm tell, always telling people, like, you think you don't like horror, but you watch more gory stuff than I do a lot of times on some of the <laughs> right. television right. series. But I love um, 
gosh, I'm trying to think of some of the things I've seen in the last few years that I've just loved so much. I should have had pulled up my list. That's but, okay. Um, like I said, maybe we could do something later on with some type of a Halloween theme. I mean, do you? And I don't oh, want to. I don't want to be off. But I mean, have you heard of like movies like Terrifier, The Human Centipede, like some of these I have types not of? Watch, I have not watched <laughs> those yet, and I don't watch much slasher stuff. But right. I love a lot of psychological horror, and I watch a lot of things. Like, I think one of the best movies in the last few years I've seen is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. That's one of I've heard of great, that. great. Okay, oh, I'll so have to good. put that one down. And um, uh, I, think, oh, I can pull up my list, actually. I've got a big list. But I love uh, creativity, and I love things that are just, Super creepy. Okay, here's here's one of my heartless. Okay. Uh, oh, and I'm a huge zombie person. And I've ended up, you know, Pittsburgh's mm-hmm. like zombie central. Like, you know, George Romero shot Night of Living Dead here. And Greg Nicotero, oh, wow. who's a big person at the in The Walking Dead. And Tom Savini, they're big ooh, makeup artists. You know, amazing makeup artists. And I Me. went to this George Romero collection thing that the pit library here is doing and they had this just event that was free and you could just go to it and i was like that's a zombie thing on georgia i'm just gonna go and they had his original scripts and all this stuff and i'm standing there and greg nicotero walked up and started looking at the same poster i was and i was like oh my gosh and then tom savini walked up and started talking i was like oh my gosh i i, I love you guys I love <laughs> your awesome. you know like got photos i was just like total fangirling but i'm like it's so bizarre that i just saw this thing randomly on Instagram, and then I went over and I got to meet them. That's but so cool. I here's some of my all-time classic classics that I love. Okay, the go Lost ahead. Boys, City okay. of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead. I love my favorite of the Universal classics is Bride of Frankenstein, The Mummy, and I like Dracula, but I like to I have to watch it with the Philip Glass score that he did because it really perks it up a lot okay, you're you're um, really into this so again i'm familiar with this stuff but haven't seen you know all that but okay keep going <laughs> um let me see um i've got i've got things by streaming too recently there's a super scary movie called the deep house that i watched that's on amazon um okay. 30 days uh 30 days of night is a great one. Twenty eight days later, that's Killian Murphy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Twenty eight weeks later, Lake Mungo is an amazing found footage, super creepy. Um, okay. Troll Hunter, which is a Norwegian found footage. Okay. Uh, uh, this is a vampire movie. Only lovers left alive. It's a slow burn with Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. Love that. The Exorcism okay, cool. of Emily Rose, I find terrifying. Okay. <laughs> yeah, The Lodge, The Descent. Have you ever seen The Descent and The Descent No, too? I think I've heard of that too, though. <sighs> okay. The Descent is great. It's just, okay. they're great. Um, okay. I love Nosferatu, the old one. And by the way, when I, I, I'm obsessed with Dracula and read it almost every year. And I, when I went to, when I went to Ireland... And I bought tickets randomly because I just got the best price I could and did that whatever date you want to give me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I went in October 22, and it 
turned out it was during the Bram Stoker Festival. And one of the things they did had going on was Nosferatu, the movie, was a 100-year anniversary. So I went to this Nosferatu symposium, and they had horror experts, including Bram Stoker's great-nephew. And it was just really like I couldn't believe I got to go to a Nosferatu symposium. But um, cool. here's another movie that I hear a lot of people talk about, too, uh, it's it, people seem to be discovering it. It's a few years old. It's called Session Nine. Super you creepy. Know, I saw that on I think like Tubi or something. There's I wrote a bunch okay. down. So yeah, I think I'm not sure. If, yeah, something like that. I think, but I'm not sure. I have to look into that one. Okay. Um, um on Shutter, I have a Shutter <laughs> subscription, but I do Hell House LLC, Grave Encounters. Anything for okay. Jackson, Salem's Lot. I'll send this to you. The okay, the cool. invitation. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check that the, out. Did, did you ever uh, real quick see there's a... Haunted Asylum is a great one and Train to Busan. Oh, Korea, I love Korean horror. It's great. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, a I'll couple of other. List. I've got a huge list. It's all broken all right, down into cool. categories. I'll send you mine's just alphabetized, but it's not in really categories. But it was just oh, to keep track of stuff. Too. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um yes, real yes. quick, a couple of quick other questions and then we'll wrap things up. Favorite what's your favorite candy? My favorite candy is peanut M and M's and my favorite candy bars are Snickers and Zero. Okay. And what about, what was your first costume since, you you know, you were a kid that loved Halloween? Oh, my goodness. Do you remember? My first costume. <laughs> I don't remember. But can I tell you a funny little costume story? So my yeah. son, one of his first, I think it was his, like, second or third costume was very cheap. He had a little yellow raincoat, and we bought him a $1 plastic fireman hat at a party store. Mm-hmm. And we smeared, smudged his face and gave him a bucket, and he was a little fireman, right? So I was telling okay. this friend of mine, and I was in Ireland about that, and she had met me over there in Dublin, and we went to a pub to get dinner on Halloween, and this family came in, and the little boy dressed like a fireman, just like my son. And they sat Aww. next to us, and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my gosh. That's so and sweet. then he leaned over and he started singing something. And I'm like, what language is he singing? And he was singing Frere Jaca, but in Irish. And it was so Aww. sweet. I was just like, sweet. and you're dressed like my son's little Halloween. <laughs> but I thought that was crazy because like 10 minutes earlier, I had been telling my friend all about Andrew's, one of his first costumes. And then this little yeah, Irish adorable ironic. came in. That is um, ironic. Anyway, I do remember going as like dead things like if I couldn't think of a costume as I was a teenager I'd go I'll be a dead rock star or I'll be a you know so I would zombify mm-hmm. something you know so one of my favorite costumes one of my best friends who lives in Virginia and this was as adults she went and bought a wedding dress at a thrift store and put tire tracks on it and she went as somebody who had been run over by a car like <laughs> Okay, there you go. Like, right. find so, anything is a great. And then one last thing, just because I said it for, I set the podcast for two hours. Um, I wanted to incorporate this here because I thought this would be a good piece. So tell us, just give us a couple of bullets about Ballet Ghost. Who is this Ballet Ghost character that you developed? Oh, I'm so 
glad you asked about ballet yeah, ghosts. I, thought I, I pulled her into the Halloween character. section. Yeah. I am still, I'm trying to find a big publisher for that one, and I'm going to repitch it to my publisher. Heads up, y'all. I'm repitching it to y'all. <laughs> but it's a, I've, I've redone my pitch, and it's a little ghost who lives in a ballet theater, and, and they're little adventures in the ballet Aww. theater. And I danced when I was a kid. I okay. did ballet and tap, but I quit when I was really little. And then my son was a dancer. He did Irish step dancing for many years. And I just love dance. And I, I love watching dance. I think dancers are amazing. And when I'm watching YouTube videos at night, I will watch dance or I will watch glaciers calving. <laughs> it calms me down. Nice. But I think dancers are amazing. And so Absolutely. I love ghosts. And I love dance, and I just have this little character that wanders around the ballet theater and gets to know the dancers Aww. and haunts the ballet theater, and that's Ballet Ghost. And, and I my, like her. I have that on Instagram, too, at Ballet Ghost, and I have a little animation I did the old-fashioned way on there of a oh, ballet, ballet Ghost has a own Instagram page? Yes, Ballet Ghost has oh, its own Instagram okay. page. So. I will have yeah. to follow me or I will follow her. We'll follow each other. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll do that. Ballet Ghost will yeah. follow you. We'll help you get and some I numbers have, I did up a there. tiny little animation. I want to do more of that. I like doing that. It takes it takes so long, but I, I love the outcome. That's cool. That's cool. Well, Teresa, thank you so much. I mean, what a great interview. I mean, please, thank I hope you, you. can um, share the podcast, please, to all your friends and fans and family so hopefully will, people can really, Mary. really hear this. I will. I'm very, yeah. very excited. Thank you so much for interviewing me, and thank you for, um, you know, highlighting comics and live comedy and cartoons and just creators and people. I just really appreciate you for doing that. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, absolute pleasure, and you're always welcome back on. So we'll have to wait for some more stuff that you're working on, and then we'll uh, bring you back on to promote it sometime. That sounds great. And if you want me in October to just talk spooky stuff, I would love to do that. Okay. Maybe, you know, let me, let me try to, again, this is where my brainstorming and my creativity comes into play. Let me think because there might be some other people. Maybe there would be an opportunity to do like a round table, you know what I mean, with some, oh, other, yes. some other. Yes. So let me, let me think about that. And if you have any ideas too, oh, you can I pitch them to that. me. <laughs> okay. All right. I certainly will. Thank All right, you Teresa. So but much, yeah, let's Carrie. definitely um absolutely let's definitely keep in touch. I'd love to speak with you. Like I said off the air, we could talk a little more, you know, in depth stuff that I wouldn't talk about on the air, but That sounds great. All right. Anytime. Well, thank you so much. Thank it was you. an absolute pleasure. It was. Thank you, Carrie. I'll talk You're to welcome, you. You're welcome, Teresa. Okay, have a great day. You too. Bye bye. All right, take care. Bye bye. All right, everyone, comedian and cartoonist Teresa Roberts Logan, a great interview with her today. If for some reason you tuned in late, a podcast uh, to stream will be available after it's over. You can check it out on iTunes or iHeartRadio. Please also follow her. She's available at Laughing Redhead. You can follow her on Instagram, TikTok, as she said. So we got to get her TikTok going here. And um, she's also on Twitter. And then also you can find her at LaughingRedhead.com. 
And again, thank you so much for tuning in. I've had over 250 guests on here. Every interview is going to be different and unique. We're going to take you on their journey of their life story. Please follow me on Instagram. I'm at Carrie Edelman, as well as I just created a the Carrie Edelman Show page. So I would greatly appreciate it if you follow me there. That's where I do all of my updates. I also have a personal page on Facebook. Um, I actually have two. Um, one of them is maxed out right now. So you can find my other one if you'd like and uh, befriend me there. So just uh, like I said, please follow me along. And that's where you will see updates for all my upcoming guests. And I will be in the works in the near future of uh, getting some new people on the show. Thank you so much and have a great day.